This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is my co-host, Emilio Donnell. We have a very special guest joining us at the top of the show, and that's Ivan Berry from Fulham and from FFC TV. We are going to be talking to Ivan at the top of the show, like I just mentioned. At the bottom of the show, we're going to have Jamie Reed joining us from FFC TV. This is a preview show and also an FFC takeover show because we have two members of FFC TV with us. So this should be great. And um, as I was speaking to Ivan, we're going to call this Friday Night Fulham with <laughs> Ivan and Jamie. You know, and again, let's just call what it is. It's Friday Night Fulham. So before we do anything else, Ivan, thank yes. you so much for joining Emilio and I tonight for this special show. No, cheers. Thank you so much for having me. And as it's Friday night and we're talking about Fulham, I thought I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd start early and get a nice glass of wine on the go. You know, the weekend's here. Why not, eh? So cheers. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's great. Emilio, thank you for uh, joining me on this special show. No, you're welcome. I can't join you with a glass of wine. I've got a cup of tea, so I think a little bit boring, but it's you know, still didn't work after this. So, um, yeah, but it's good to have you on the show. And, yeah, it should be fun tonight. That's Friday Friday takeover, Friday night giveaway, yeah. whatever you want to be. Let's have a bit of fun tonight. I think we all need it. Okay. And uh, I just have lemonade, so I'm, I'm the lame one of the three. Okay. I'm the only, I'm the only one boozing. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ivan. Well, listen, I also want to mention it. Anyone who is watching us live that wants to potentially ask Ivan a question, leave it in the comment section. We might get to it. I might cherry pick a couple that I see that are interesting to share with Ivan. Okay, Ivan, let's start here, okay? Because we're going to profile you and Fulham Football Club. Let's just talk about your thoughts on becoming the match day announcer. Um, it was uh, – it, it, it was – uh genuinely uh one of the most incredible moments of my life being offered it um i've been presenting for a while i've been i've been going to uh, watch fulham since i was very small i think sort of 12 years old or so and um and so i was always i always grew up with the voice of of diddy diddy david hamilton and uh, i remember thinking at the time wow i mean that is a job that is the greatest <laughs> job ever yeah. and just by I guess just by coincidence, I remember um, a job came up on the site. I used to check the website every day um, and a job came up and it was Diddy. It was a video of Diddy asking for a couple of match day presenters uh, to help him out on match days to interview yep. the fans and stuff like that. And I remember when that came up, I, found, I, I read it and my dad called me exact same time and said, if you've seen this, you've got to apply for this. <laughs> and, uh, and at this point, all I was doing was like music TV I think actually the day I applied, I was interviewing a band somewhere in a studio wow. and I stopped and I quickly did this thing and I drafted this email. Where I was like, um, Hey, look, um, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a massive Fulham fan. I'm also a presenter. Um, you, you've got to give me this job. You know, <laughs> I'm there at every match day anyway, you know, let me interview people, let me get involved. And, um, uh, I don't know if that was what clinched it, but they got me in and uh, I met the staff and the crew and uh, ended up getting the job that way. Mm. And so uh, so I was working alongside Diddy 
uh, at that point. But I think, you know, there were kind of rumours that he was getting ready to retire. I think he had said um, a couple of times that when um, uh, when uh, Al Fayed uh, left or retired, he would as well. That was the deal they had together. And I, I was aware that Al Fayed had gone uh, and that he, you know, there might be a reason why they're, they're bringing people in, possibly. I don't know. Right. But... Um, but when they actually officially offered it to me, I was just, I remember the meeting exactly. And it was, uh, uh, it was Jack Burrows and Sarah Brooks. Um, uh, and I was sitting in the office and uh, yeah, they, they, you know, Sarah said, you know, we really like what you do and, and we'd love you to, you know, be the, the match day announcer. And I nearly lost it, man. I can't tell you as a Fulham fan, you know, of all the jobs I've ever done, this is this is by far the best, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, it is the best. I can't even call it a job, if I'm honest. It's not a job. It's uh, you know, don't get me wrong. When I first took over and we lost the first however many games and we the pop <laughs> of the championship, there was definitely it, there were aspects of it that felt possibly like a job. But uh, you know, now it's not a job. It's it's just it's just the best. It is the best, and I love it. I love it to bits. Okay, excellent. Emilio, anything you want to ask Ivan as we just talk about him being the match day announcer? We're going to talk about his whole history with Fulham. Yeah, tell us very much about your first, that first moment, you know, the, that first game. Turn the clock back and just tell us how, what was going through, how you felt. And any nerves setting in? Did you get any advice beforehand? Any stid? Did David Hamilton give you any guidance on that? that? No, he didn't really. He said, well, actually, no. It, did he give me advice? No, we did a video together beforehand where he was showing me the mic and, uh, you know, uh, you know, gave me my first go on the mic, as it were. But uh, the first game was Millwall at home. Uh, I have never been more nervous of anything in my life. Uh, you know, it was, for a game, wasn't it? it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Right. Yeah, I think it was a Saturday game. It was our first home game mm. of our first season in the championship. I remember this game. Yeah. And uh, I was just convinced that I was going to be handed a mic and um, everyone would start booing. You just have these nightmares of going, everyone's just going to be, you know, booing me. I don't, I don't know why. There's no logic in it. No one's there to see me. Everyone wants to see the football. Mm. But they did a, they did a, um, a, a big sort of handover. Um, Kit Simons presented uh, Diddy with his, uh, you know, with a, with a trophy to say, you know, 18 years at the club and stuff. And then they did a big thing where he then handed the mic to me before the game. And uh, I think the only thing I could muster to say the moment they gave me the mic was, how do you follow that? And I think I stand by that. I still don't know how you quite follow, you know, Diddy. I was going to ask you that. How do you do that? I mean, that's very difficult to do a legend. I I don't think you do. I think you've got to kind of uh, almost um, acknowledge that you won't be able to follow it and that you've just kind of got to, you know, do your own thing, I suppose. And, um, you know, that for, for me, he is the voice of Fulham. He is my match days. You know, when I used to hear, ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. I used to get goosebumps <laughs> and, come out and the music would start. And I, and so for me, he is the voice. And I think what really excites me about this job now, I did, I don't think I really thought about it too much at the beginning. Right. Um, was there a, um, you know, the, the younger generation coming up and watching Fulham now that, that feel the same way about me. Uh, and, and that's really lovely. Like, that's really lovely. I don't, I, you know, and, and I meet so many uh, uh, sort of young kids, like, before the game and stuff, and they're always seem really excited. And uh, I don't think that will ever get old. I think that's um, it, uh, genuinely such a lovely, lovely part of the job. And to think they associate my voice in the way I did with Diddy, um, yeah, that that won't ever get old. But um, yeah, Millwall very nervous, but it, but you know it went okay. We lost, uh, <clears throat> which was a shame. You know, I don't think I actually announced the victory for about five home games. We were, you know, it was like it was a it, it was, was a tough beginning. Tough. I remember that season. It really was, and I think we were <clears throat> one point from nine games at the bottom of the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the time came when, um, you know, Felix Magat uh, uh, left and, and, and Kit Simons came on board and um, uh, things started to really pick up and, and get good. And, uh, you know, that was a, a big turning point. But, um, 
Yeah, nerves. I didn't sleep for a f- uh, probably about three or four nights building up to that because it, it felt like such a big deal for me. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you, of all the matches, what stands out the most for you? Do we have to go – you know, and again, you weren't – we could talk about going to Wembley, but I'm talking about at Craven Cottage. What, what stands out to you as, as the match day announcer? Was there one match that stands out? We talked about the first match, but if you had to put your – mind it and think about one particular match is there one like um as the as an announcer i don't think there's any any question it's it's got to be a playoff semi-final um you know derby county you know oh, we're yes. down on aggregate uh just you know sessignon and adoy adoy with that header where he leaped like a salmon uh and then i remember i was sitting in the dugout uh, and I had Sky Sports next to me. There's about two people from Sky Sports, and they turned to me. This is when the dugouts were a bit smaller. I was sort of sandwiched between them, and they were like, um, are you expecting a pitch invasion? Is it, do you think there'll be a pitch invasion at the final whistle? And I was like, nah, no, not, no. Fans and there was. And no, and I was like, I wouldn't worry about that. I, I really doubt it's going to happen. And when the final whistle went and people started rushing the pitch, I was like, oh, I, I had no idea that was going to happen. Like, genuinely clueless. And I remember, uh, I, I mean, I was in pieces. Like, I, I was choked up. I was trying to get through this uh, uh, this bit of script that I had to read about, yep. you know, our next game is Wembley Stadium. Yes. And I remember being grabbed by Marcus Bettinelli and hoisted <laughs> up in the air by him. <laughs> Uh, and then, it, yeah, it was just a bit of a blur. And it, that, that I think, I, I, you know, it was amazing getting to, to announce briefly at Wembley. Get, I got six minutes with our fans. That's but great. As, as experiences go, I mean, my God, I don't think that will take some beating. Mm-hmm. That will take some beating. That's great. I also want to, want to really focus on a little bit the interviews you've done, you've done some fantastic interviews with some fantastic people. What stands out to you from some of the interviews you've done? Um, again, as a Fulham fan, it's always really exciting to, uh, uh, to get like, you know, someone like Tom Kearney, when he rocks up, you know, when we get the captain, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, and he rocked up with his, um, uh, his gorgeous boy as well, his son, um, you know, and his, and his, uh, fiance i don't think it's his wife yet but fiance and you know and and getting to sort of meet them prior and then going in and recording and and you know again that 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 sort of stuff as as a fan you know it's uh it's still you know it's really exciting i get a real buzz and so it's and but for me it's just nice getting to sit down and be a bit honest with some of the players because i think one of the things with 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 this fulham fix Yep. that we do is that it's 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 about being a bit honest and a bit brutal and and I think respect to Tom Kearney we'd lost a couple of games bad um I think it was just off of the um Barnsley one we'd lost again I think and and you know and we were expected to comfortably win that you know they were bottom of the table and and I think they'd beaten us like three nil or something mm-hmm. and I was able to go look you tell us what happened you know what we're going to do about this and, and I like those moments with this because I think uh, I don't think it would be the same if the Monday Night Film Fix was about trying to relentlessly be positive and ignoring mm-hmm. any negatives. I think what's nice about this is, you know, the first the first question I can ask those players is, look, you know, we've lost a load of games. What's the feeling like now in the dressing room? How are we going to turn this out? What's Scott Parker saying to the guys? And that's really nice and really refreshing. And they're always really honest. And I think um, yeah. Kenny was... was um, yeah, Kenny gave, uh, it was really honest and, and straight away, you know, with the captain on band was able to sort of say, yeah, we, we screwed up. That wasn't good enough. And, and and that's really good to be able to do and to hear. And I think it's really good for the fans um, when they get to watch it. They get to see, you know, that side, I think, you know. I get to kind of ask the questions that all the fans, you know, are desperate to ask, you know. I think it's great. And Really, you do an excellent job, and I'm glad that you really transitioned us to talk about the Monday Night Fulham Fix because that's one of the elements that I appreciate as a fan. I've been, you know, again, I've already told you this. You already know how I feel about the Monday Night Fulham Fix. It's it's fantastic for me. I'm used to a show like that here in, in America for the Patriots, as I told you, Monday Night Patriots. It's really the same thing. You're doing the same exact thing, 
except the format that you do is really great because it all leads up somewhere. You, you're taking us on a journey with the player and the uh, Sean Davis at times as well. So let's focus a little bit more on the Monday Night Fulham Fix and, and take us behind the scenes on uh, putting together one, one of these shows because I'm, I'm really curious about it. I think the idea at first was to try and create a, a, a bit of a visual podcast, um, a show that Fulham fans could lock into where everything was covered um, and, uh, you know, and what, what's great about the show as well is obviously everyone, everyone who works at Fulham loves Fulham. Not everyone at, who works at Fulham is necessarily a Fulham fan because, uh, it's just how it goes. You know, we, you know, you get some people from different clubs, you know, they apply for other jobs and, and that's how it goes. But there's a number of genuine die hard Fulham fans like myself that work at the club. And that, and and a number of them are actually involved in this show, which makes it really cool because um, it's it, it, it is it's like it was a show created by Fulham fans, but for Fulham, which is uh, quite an exciting thing, um, and I think that gives it uh, a, a, a lot of honesty. There's a, there's some great honesty about it. So we were able to sit down when we're having meetings beforehand and talk about it. We were able to to go right. What what would we want to hear as fans? You know, right. what what do we want to know? And that's kind of how what you know what, what you know where it came from. We we sort of brainstormed like that. And um, uh, uh, Jack, who um, Jack Burrows, who uh, is uh, a guy that I work very very closely with at Fulham. You know, he was uh, I think one of the main guys in, in charge of launching this. He is a massive Fulham fan, like proper die-hard Fulham fan and so we were able to sort of you know bounce ideas off of each other and it, it's um you know it's it's really exciting that 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 it's um it, it's you know it's it's become a, a cool thing for the club and, and a good platform for the Fulham fans so uh that's it literally started off by by fans at Fulham which is, is that's um, great which mm -hmm. is, I think is what makes it kind of quite nice and honest and refreshing you know that's great Emilio do you have another question for our guest here yeah i was gonna say look in the playoff final victories obviously one in wembley the big big white wall versus the one in the ten. how do you compare the two finals both victorious but i think we i think some of us have spoken gordon davis myself rob wilson we talked about how different the experiences were what do you how do you compare the two finals uh yeah sorry about myself by the way see <laughs> shush um <laughs> So the two finals, I, I wasn't actually there for the last final, the last Brentford final, because um, of COVID. Uh, okay. They were so tight about the number of staff they'd let in, despite the fact it was Wembley Stadium and it's obviously very, very big. But I got to watch the, um, I got to watch it outdoors at Motspur Park at our training ground. They put big screens up and, okay. and did it that way. Uh, and it was, I mean, I, you know, it was unique being able to watch it. And uh, I, it, we, we did a kind of a, a, a sort of, distant socially distant picnic <laughs> where staff would sort of sit and drink and have nibbles and stuff and um i got very very drunk and i suppose <laughs> that's one of the main differences between the brentford <laughs> final and the aston villa final is how drunk i was um and uh i lost you know i you know when when um brian scored i um that first goal i i i just tore it up i ran around i went past <laughs> Uh, someone handed me a mic at the training ground behind the screen and made me announce it as well. I remember wow. that. Wow! Don't get me wrong; it was great. It was a it was a cool experience. But uh, I mean, uh, compared to Villa and the White Wall and the travelling to Wembley, uh, we we got a minibus together and about twenty of us from Dorking, where I live, we all headed up there. I left them in a pub while I went and sound checked and, and did my stuff. Um, and yeah, I, they, 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 they don't compare. I don't think they do compare. And, and, and being able to, like I said, talk to the Fulham fans and, and uh, get a bit of time with them at Wembley and be looking up at them and seeing this white wall. Again, uh, as memories go, I, I can't imagine topping that. I think it would take some. We were both a part of that. I, yeah. I was there for that. Well, yeah, how did you find it? What an experience it for was, you. And again, I'll just say this, and uh, I was with Emilio at the time. I've never experienced anything like this, Ivan. I've actually been to 
championship games for the Patriots, not the Super Bowl. And the atmosphere at Wembley is like nothing I've ever experienced. It's It was on that height. Yeah. That white wall is something that, again, still gives me chills. It was unbelievable. Uh, and it, and it, uh, yeah, it gives me chills. Like, uh, I, 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 do I remember thinking at the time, uh, I met the Aston Villa announcer and he was going first. And I remember being really pleased he was going first to see how uh, his how they'd respond to him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go second. You know, I didn't want him, you know, I, I, I think I wanted, I wanted to sort of go, you know, now come on, you know, like, you know, dismiss what they've just done. Fulham fans, come on, make some noise. And, and, and mm. wow, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, that was unbelievable. I remember at full time, not believing it. I was just, that was the same way i i didn't think it was over no i didn't that final whistle went and i was just like you know there's so many photos of me at full time that my dad took and my wife took where i'm just like just in shock and again he's gonna hate me for continuing to mention him and i I don't really know why i'm doing it to him poor guy but jack burrows uh the guy that i work with at at fulham um uh, he was in front and i swear he was welling up proper like you know welling up i didn't get to see jeff um jeff Proust, who again massive fulham fan another one at fulham who is huge fulham fan um but i was aware of his whereabouts and you can definitely hear him on the the you know the gentleman gym commentary a number of times throughout that game and when the final whistle goes and it's um yeah what an experience man yeah that was incredible really was that's great. Next time Did you, you see that. So sorry, I was oh, going to say, where does that come? Where does that that victory against Villa, you know, compare to maybe you, you know the Europa League run, for example? Do, what's your most memorable Fulham highlight? I think um, normally what I'd say is my. It's always been for me that the 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 only time I've ever uh, well before Derby I've ever choked up or cried at a match was. Um, uh, was the Hamburg semi-final, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, that was um, that's always been my favourite match, and it was because my granddad had just died, who was a, a Fulham season ticket holder. Um, uh, he died at ninety-nine years old, and he died wow. in in the February of that year. And I was basically using his season ticket um, at, at, for, for for that season, but I was going with. Um, uh, my my dad to the Europa League matches and I think he had stopped going around December time and fell ill it was you know very 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 quick illness um and what makes me desperately sad is that he um like he missed that entire run he wouldn't have believed it that we had made it to the to the final and I think uh you know that kind of it was a kind of um and I remember our mate that came with us is a guy called Ian that, that joined us um, with me and my dad, who said, "Oh, I reckon he's up there pulling the strings," and he said that at the final whistle, and that uh, that, that just got me. And I just, I think I remember thinking at the time, um, you know, after losing my granddad, and after it felt like we'd just done something totally impossible, and it almost didn't matter for me at that point if we won the final mm-hmm. or not because we proved we could get to the final. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I was done. Like I was like, uh, I. I to say I didn't care if we won the final would be a massive lie. But at that point, it was like, okay, we've proved we can get there. You mm. know, you know, this, that, that was the biggest moment for me. And, um, yeah, I think it, for me, that, that's always a very, very special mm. moment. And then, like I said, uh, then some, a game like Derby with the mm. pitch invasion, then Wembley, mm. you know, things uh things possibly tip it but um i think one of my saddest um moments is that my granddad never got to see me announce mm-hmm. you know oh. never know that i was the announcer and i think um and i think that you know a part of me makes me makes makes me quite sad that he never knew because you know w- our lives were full of it was you know me dad and granddad would go to every game you know three generations and um and you know, even when he lost his, you know, his, his eyesight started to go. He was given headset a headset by the club, where he could listen in real time to um, Jim's commentary. And so he was able to sit next to me, um, you know, and he could see, you know, colours and stuff. But they were so brilliant to him, you know. And they had they put him up in a 
in, in you know, parking space uh, close to the ground so he didn't have to walk far. And they really, really looked after him and they gave him this headset and he could listen to stuff. And, you know, like I said, even up to his last days, he was there just cheering on the whites. And so, yeah, there's a part of me that, that you know, a bit, bit sad that he, he never um, mm. uh, he never got to know. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's very proud of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, it's exactly uh, just just looking over you, my friend. All right, I have to ask you this because sure. I, I know Emilio is a huge fan of quizzes, so let's talk about your thoughts on the Sunday night quiz. Uh, yeah, um, and but I, I, I so these were the lockdown quizzes that we, yes. we were referring to, yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, again, uh, an idea, Jeff. Um, came up with Jeff Proust, who a lot of people know on Twitter, and um, you know he's a massive, massive Fulham fan. Works at Fulham, uh, and you know he just came to me and said, you know, are you up for hosting a quiz? I'll write the questions. And man, he wrote some good questions. <laughs> I, I had the answers in front of me, and I was still like gobsmacked as to like how would how are you? I mean, you he his research was impeccable, unbelievable. And he just came to me um, sort of a couple of weeks into lockdown and said, you know, I think we've got to do something for the fans, you know, keep them, you know, keep the interaction and stuff yeah. really important. And um, and I was well up for it. I, as a freelancer and a presenter, all my work ground to a halt. Like there was, I just, I think like a number of people, there was nothing I could do. Um and so, uh, yeah, I was well up for it. And, and uh, he would send them through. I'd get set up uh, the opposite side of the room that I am now because I was able to hang up shirts behind me on the um, on, on the shelf <laughs> and make it look, uh, you know, like I, you know, I was in like a little Fulham studio and stuff and, and I did the quizzes and that. Yeah, they were always a blast. The, the only problem is a couple of the times there were so many questions. A couple of the times he'd message me, I'd send him all the clips on the Sunday yep. and he'd message me to say, you've missed out one question or you forgot to put the answer on one question. And so I'd have to go back and refilm around the next day. Oh. And like I did that a number of times actually. Uh, but yeah, it was really good fun. It was, uh, it was a, a really nice thing to do. And I felt like it was an important thing to do uh, for, for our sanity. I think as, as, as fans, I think a lot, of I agree. I agree. A lot of anxious moments and just to, you know, it was a nice way to go. Hey, you know, we're at Fulham. Let's do a quiz. Let's talk about the things we love, and yep. you know, and embrace the the weird. You know. <laughs> well, listen, I have a question here for you. This is from Ben Lawrence. Any chance of a Christmas quiz? Hey, I'm I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Uh, weirdly, they do um they do a staff Christmas quiz. I, whether they'll do it this year, I, I doubt they will because of COVID. But I'd go along to the training ground, and and uh, the last couple of years, I'd host a the staff quiz and it's, I mean, it's a blast and each they have the staff tables all like um, split into different players names. And uh, yeah, it's always fun. Bit daft, uh, but, but you know, uh, yeah, a good, good time. So um, uh, I'm, I, without a doubt, I'm up for it. So Jeff, if you're watching, let's do it. <laughs> Come on, Jeff, get on top of this one. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's, let's get it on for Christmas time. And I'll share this again, just real quick. Jeff Pruce and his brother and Dan Crawford, when I went to see my first fall match, I took a crazy taxi ride with them to the Modesky Stadium. I just have to share that. I thought I was, again, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it to the stadium. <laughs> I, I just want to mention that. And Jeff was part of that. So I, I just had to mention that. Awesome. Was it just a very bad taxi driver, was it? Very bad. Extremely bad. I was very nervous. Let's just say in the car. Okay. Let's end with... Talking about the season so far you, through your eyes, I want to get your thoughts, Ivan, on on Fulham season. I, I know it hasn't started great, but um, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen lately. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we didn't start well, uh, without a doubt. We've always been slightly slow starters with almost every season I can remember. Bar every now and then we might win the first game, but I think. Um, We've always been kind of, we always seem to build up a little bit. And and without a doubt, against Sheffield United and against Wolves, you know, we've shown some real promise. <clears throat> and uh, and I think, yeah, it was a couple of uh, tough games. I mean, looking at games like Villa, it felt 
tough at the time, but then, you know, they went on to beat the champions of England 7-2. And so you go, okay, you know, they're in a, they're in a certain mind space right now there. Whether that will fade out, whether they'll continue that, I don't know. I think maybe they might, you know, they might start to sort of settle and maybe slip away and who knows. From our point of view, though, there's definitely progress. I think we're unlucky not to get a point at Wolves. I think we're unlucky not to get three points at Sheffield United. Oh, I agree. Um, and I think that Crystal Palace um, and West Brom are, are games where there is genuinely, you know, I don't want to jinx it, touch wood. Uh, there's definitely um, uh, a possibility of even six points there. And at that point, we're looking at a very... That would be a complete change if they could pull that off. Well, I think, I mean, I think and I think we're showing there's definitely, you know, Mitro didn't have the greatest game of his life. But we know that when Mitro doesn't have the greatest game of his life, Mitro tends to turn it around. Um, you know, he's a, he's a determined guy. Uh, he doesn't let things get to him. And, um, you know, I expect to see a response from Mitrovic. And I don't see why that wouldn't come against Palace this weekend. I think he came scarily close to scoring a couple of winners near the end. Um, he was unlucky with a penalty. You know, sometimes that happens. Uh, it, he was very unlucky to give away a penalty. It was a penalty, but it was an unlucky penalty. Um, and I think that players that are coming in that are starting to settle, I think Lookman looks incredible. Totally um, agree. And I think, uh, you know, we're unfortunate with Tete. Um, I think he'll be back relatively soon, but I think Tete uh, yeah. will do some wonderful, wonderful things for us. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. I think he's going to uh, start to find his feet and, and come very good for us. Um you know, and I think our defence is, is is firming up, is is strengthening as well. We've got a, a number of, of good defenders in. So, I personally, I think the only way is up. I think we will start to win. I think we need to get that initial win. We need to get that first win done. We need to get that monkey off our shoulder. And hopefully that will come against Palace tomorrow. Um, you know, it's, it, it will be a tough game, but what game isn't tough? That's a game that we we can win. And judging by our performances and by the fact that um, I think what's promising this, I think this sums it up perfectly is everyone, uh, all the pundits criticizing our defense and saying, you know, defense shocking, defense shambles. Uh, You know, we let in a number of goals Well, the last two games uh, we've let in two goals, one, you know, and one of those was a penalty. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, that's not bad. And that puts Mm -hmm. us in the last couple of games that puts us, you know, one of the best defences for the last couple of games, actually. So that's crazy. That's really positive. And that kind of shows the direction we're moving in. So I think uh, Palace and West Brom are going to be really, really good tests and a really, really good opportunity. And hopefully that will be the start, the real start of this campaign, you know. And and, uh, Scott's a decent manager. We've now got a really decent team. And it's a team that could comfortably stay up. I believe that. You know, they're up for this fight. And, um, uh, yeah, I said, you know, bring it on. It, those first three games were tough, without a doubt. Yep. But they're done. They're gone now. And the last two games have been positive, you know. Totally agree with that. I yeah. Do. Yeah. And so, you know, let's see. Let's see how we get on with Palace tomorrow. Let's see how we get on with West Brom after that. And, um, you know, if we're able to get four points from those two games, we're suddenly looking at, a, a, you know, a... a you know, we'll jump up a load of places in the table. It suddenly feels like a something very different. So, okay, I have to share this before uh, I go to Emilio. This is from Billy Adams for you. <clears throat> Hello, Ivan. May hope you are well and enjoying the shirt tails and the match program. Yeah, I mean, uh, Billy's a top bloke. I've known him for a while, uh, and man, does that guy have a collection of shirts. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I've never known it before. Um, and also, a uh, shout out as well for working in the NHS. Top man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hope he's well. And uh, of course, yeah. The shirt tails. I love it. Um, <laughs> I genuinely hand on art though, and I'm wearing it now because I wanted to represent. But I, this is one of my favorite kits in a long, long time. I think it's so smart. There's something really. I have to get one. I think it's, oh, honestly, it's, I think it's, it's stylish. It's smart. It's, 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 yeah, I love it. Anyway. Okay, excellent. Emilio, before we let Ivan go, any final uh, questions for me? Then we'll bring Jamie on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What's your most memorable and goal that you've announced? You know, so again, it's obviously about the game being the experience. Maybe it was a Dennis Adoy goal, but from all those last few years, 
any particular goal that really stands out that really is like, yes get in there I, I i love a last minute winner i love it there's nothing better than when because uh, because the stadium it's unlike uh, any place on earth when you get that kind of 94th minute winner hmm. um dennis adoy uh, against derby was an amazing moment but the problem is his name it doesn't have the gravitas when you mm. say because of the soft yeah. uh, the soft yeah. out Odoi doesn't doesn't project in the same way as yeah. it's a Ryan Sessignon really cuts through. <laughs> um but saying Mitrovic, Alexander Mitrovic, there's something about all the hard uh letters and, yeah. and the, way it, the the Vich in it. Yeah. You can really hit it. And I think because of that, he's always a pleasure to announce. Um and I think one of my favourite goals of recent time, and certainly my highlight of last yeah. season with regards to the goals I'd announced, was uh, his 94th minute winner against uh, Swansea at home at the Cottage. Oh, yes. Um, and it, was it nil-nil? I think it, it, it was nil-nil. And we were that close in the first in time in about, what, 12 years to have our first nil-nil yeah. at the Cottage? Yeah, yeah, yeah had again <laughs> missed a penalty or had a penalty saved. And again, that sums up his character. He's determined, doesn't get under his skin. And uh, that, that cross came in and uh, I lost it. I mean, I'm not <laughs> supposed to celebrate in the dugout, but my, <laughs> those moments you can't help it. And I I go nuts. And uh, yeah, I think that one of my favourite goals that I've announced uh, has gone. Remember the Huddersfield one when Kamara missed the penalty oh. and then he got that injury time winner? Perfect example. Sessi yeah. on beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. again. The place erupted. It was yeah. one of the most important wins we could have had at that point, and yeah. Yeah. felt it. And Mitrovic again, um, you know, you know, uh, how many times he he saves us, and and you know, yeah. does does the you know these he's created so many incredible moments for us yeah. uh, that you know, no matter what happens, even with this season, you know, we've got those as fans, and um, you know, from my point of view, I've, I've not really experienced a player like it since being on the mic. Ross McCormack, I think, was a fantastic player for us since mm. I've been on the mic and he scored a number yep. of really important goals. Again, Moussa Dembele, Mark Two was um, yep. a really important player for us and again, scored a number of really big goals for us. But it felt like uh, when Mitrovic joined, things changed. Hmm. Things really changed. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can, he can you know, score us uh into uh into uh safety this season and and uh you know we can be looking you know when fans are back in the stadium hopefully touch wood if not this season next season we're going to still be yep. sort of premier league you know okay excellent ivan thank you so much for joining emilio and i on cottage talk your debut thank you so much I, i've wanted to do this for a long time so i really appreciate you joining us no, it's been my absolute pleasure, man. Uh, it's been a blast, and uh, enjoy chatting to Jamie. He's a he's a top bloke, and uh, yeah, cheers, guys. All right. Enjoy your wine, right. mate. Take care. Good to have All you. Right. All right, that was Ivan Berry joining us for a good half hour, and uh, Emilio. I'm just about to bring on Jamie. He's just waiting in the wings. I'm I'm just gonna bring him on in just a second. Just uh, quick thoughts on our interview, and then I'll bring Jamie on. Oh, great. Again, it's, let's have a bit of fun on a Friday evening. You know exactly. Friday night fall this week, this season so far. So having Ivan, Mister Positive, always always upbeat. Yeah, yeah, again, I agree with him in terms of you know I think we've got we're looking up, not down. But yeah. we've got to, we've got to take some points from the next two games, and I think yeah. the key things we've got to be clinical. You get your chances, you've got to take them. So be overall great, great interview. Yep, to see Ivan in good form. Absolutely. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking to Jamie Reed from FFC TV. Okay, Emilio, joining us right now is our friend Jamie Reed. Jamie, welcome back to Cottage Talk. How are you doing? Chaps, very well, thank you. It's lovely to uh, to see you both again and echoing the sort of thoughts of uh, Ivan, really, and what Emilio said. I just think it, it very much is uh, looking up rather than down, Russ. The performance, certainly in the second half up at Bramall Lane, was, uh, was one to enjoy, and we've not really been able to say that too often this season. Right. No, we haven't. And I'm glad that you started us off there, Jamie, because the beginning of the season has been rough. And I knew it was going to be a tough transition. We we talked about this the last time you were on, but I'm glad that you went right to that match because I saw a change. And I also saw it in the Wolves match. So I just want to get just your opening thoughts on the season so far. But I think we really have to start by talking about the last two matches. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think certainly the season has been one of disappointment, hasn't it, so far? Because I think we're probably better than what the uh, points return would show. You look at Sheffield United, it could have been slightly different had Mitro scored the penalty. And I don't want to just look at that moment because obviously there were several sort of crucial moments in the game that could have gone for us, could have gone against us. But you listen to what both managers said after the game and Certainly the uh, synopsis or the uh, the thought process of the 90 minutes was that we were the better side in the second half and perhaps they shaded it in the first half. So who knows, maybe a draw. But away from home, if you get a penalty, you do expect to score it, don't you, nine times out of ten. So that was disappointing. But certainly if you look at the last sort of four halves of each match, starting with the first half against Wolves and taking in those two away performances. I think they've been very, very impressive. You can see that defensively, the coaching staff have worked with the players. I know that we brought Adarabayo in and I thought he did really, really well. It would be wrong to single out any of the uh, the players who came in because I think they've all played well. And certainly, I think it is one of those situations where once the players bed in and once they start to gel with each other, I really do think that uh, we can start to pick up some results. And Emilio sort of touched on it there. We've got some games coming up where we re do really need to start getting points on the board. Because Absolutely. the last thing you want to do, and I think you'll both agree, is to uh, not become marooned, but get into a situation where it starts becoming a bit crucial. At the moment, it's not like that. Let's start picking up our points at this stage of the season. Okay. Let me just focus just a couple more minutes on that last match because I want to talk about halftime for Scott Parker because it was a tale of two halves, Jamie. What did you see from Fulham the second half? And Scott's already talked about they made some changes, tweaks, and it just seemed like it all worked in the second half. And this is also – I want to give credit to Scott Parker, his staff, but also the players for executing it because I thought that Sheffield United – I was thinking, if you're a fan of their team, Jamie, in the first half, you had to be disappointed. You had to think it was going to come back to bite them, and I think it did because they didn't take advantage of their opportunities. We always say that with Fulham. So I, I want to focus on the second half for Fulham. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Russ, that you mentioned about not taking your opportunities because in the Premier League, nine times out of ten, it does punish you, doesn't it? If you don't score your goals when you get opportunities, it can very much hamper you as uh, the game goes on. Sheffield United didn't score and that meant we were always in the game. And I think the positive when you get a situation like that, we've got players that can hurt teams in the final third. And one man who certainly falls into that kind of criteria is Adamola Lookman. I think he's a fantastic mm. player. Absolutely. He can do something, Carney, a little bit different. He can go past players. He's got speed. Not only has he got speed, he's got trickery and he's got pace and he can finish. I think we've seen situations from uh, a lot of our forward players where they might do the first hurdle or overcome the first hurdle and then get into a situation where they're one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper or into the 18-yard box and they don't necessarily finish. It was a wonderful strike. Whether he's going to be able to replicate that on a regular basis, well, only time will tell. But certainly, he's a very, very good addition. And I think you could echo that with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He can beat players. He's quick. Absolutely. He's powerful. He's strong. And I think suddenly there's players putting up their hands, wanting to play closer up to Mitro. And there's a budding partnership, let's not forget, because he's been a little bit maligned um, in recent matches. And I'm talking about the captain, Tom Kearney. Yes. Not only recent matches, but the back end of last season, the start of this season. I think his partnership with uh, Frank is really starting to flourish. But Joe, I, I agree that, with that. that. That bodes well for, uh, for the future too. I also want to mention, because again, this is also a good sign. Mario Lamina, in a very short period of time, I didn't see any drop-off when he came on, Jamie. Your thoughts on, again, he just came on for a little bit. We need to see more of him, but I was actually encouraged by his play. Yeah, I was very encouraged by his play, and certainly you've got to think to yourself, do you look to try and bring him into the side? I think if you do look to start him, the next question's got to be which player makes way. Well, we're going to talk about change. that a little bit, because I want to hear thoughts on that, because it's, it's a well, difficult decision. It is a difficult decision. I've sort of got my thoughts and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yep. So I look forward to uh, to discussing that. But to answer your point, Russ, yes, I think he did very, very well. And the positive for me with him, and the good thing is we're playing him in a central role. He can go both ways, can't he? He can pass with his left foot. He can pass with his right, right foot. To have a two-footed player in that situation is, uh, is so, so important. Okay. Emilio, any questions for Jamie? 
No, I think, I think you've hit a lot of the things I wanted to talk about. Obviously, we're now starting to get more, you know, what key players. We've got, we've got backup in every position now. I think that's the key thing for me. But, uh, you know, two two goals conceded the last two games. Obviously, we've tightened up in bat. But I still have this nagging doubt. We're not we're not clinical enough. You know, I've, I've said it before the season and so far during the season. What are you? Obviously, we've talked about offensively. We're starting to sort of, you know, link up well. Lookman reminds you of Bo Morte from many years ago. Yeah. Trickery, pace, you know, ability to score goals. But... Do you have any concerns up front in the, in the attacking space, despite the fact we made a few interesting signings? I just worry we don't have enough goals in the tank. Maybe that's me being a little bit apprehensive. No, I think that's, that's a fair point. I guess the one thing that I would say prior to the players coming in in the transfer window, and we mentioned those two players, Lookman and Loftus-Cheek, both of them have got goals in the tank, haven't they? They definitely improved the squad. I guess that's a, uh, that's a real positive that they'll come into the side and they will score goals. The one thing that has kind of concerned me, and I was quite impressed with Bobby Dekodova-Reed early season because I thought certainly up at Leeds when he came on, he made a little bit of a difference and he's one player perhaps that can get a little bit closer to Mitro because at times we've almost felt that uh, he's been a little bit isolated. He's not the quickest player. He's very good at holding up the play, but uh, he's not the quickest in terms of running in behind. So he does need different options. And the two players that we've mentioned who come in in the transfer window can certainly bring that to the party. So, uh, yeah, I can understand your point. I just think we probably are a little bit stronger post the transfer window now. And fingers firmly crossed those players can hit the ground running or continue mm-hmm. to do so like they have after that start at uh, Sheffield United and Lookman for uh, for further games on top of that. Okay, good. Okay, excellent. All right, Jamie, let's talk about this because, again, I want to focus on the central midfield because we were just talking about Lamina. Well, what happens, and again, I don't think he he might be or I, I don't know if he's going to be ready for this match, but when Harrison Reed is ready, where does he fit? Where does Mario Lamina fit? What does Scott Parker do with the three in central midfield? Because does he mix a match from going against the opponent? Who are the three? Because it's going to be difficult to take out Tom Kearney because you just talked about how well Tom Kearney's playing, the partnership he's making with Frank, and you don't want to take out Ruben Loftus-Cheek. How do you fit these players in, Jamie? Well, it's a very difficult question, and I'm pleased that it's Scott making that decision and not me, chaps, (laughs) because uh, you've got to say that is the conundrum. I suppose the big thing that I would say if I was Scott Parker is that suddenly I've got options. That is the real positive, because when you look down at the team sheet, and we've all looked at our bench, haven't we, at the back end of last season, at times this season, and thought maybe is there enough strength in depth? You know, are there players who are going to come on and influence things? Suddenly, and we saw it with Lamina, he came off the bench and he could sort of start spraying around the passes. He got that effort in on goal. And you're right, Russ, he didn't make any or there wasn't any negativity with regards to the substitution. No. We just carried on going as we exactly. were That's what you as want a to team. See. Of course it is, because you can just sort of carry on and players can just gel into any situation. I think it's going to be very, very difficult and I think it's going to almost change. I know that uh, Tom's had the opportunity in the two away games, but perhaps it might change, you know, whether you're at home or you're away. Sometimes different teams play with uh, with different systems and you can get that little midfield overload. So it might mean that we have to kind of change the way that uh, that we play. The last thing we can afford to do is almost have the defence in the midfield and then the forwards just sort of struggling on their own and not having players getting in and around him. So I think Mitrovic needs to be given a fair bit of support. Whether you look to make the change in wide areas, and certainly I wouldn't be looking to uh, to change Lukeman at all because I think he's been a breath of fresh air since coming right. into the side. I did mention that I think it would be nice to perhaps see him do a little bit more off the ball, but you mentioned Boa and there's a lot of players, a lot of flair players who don't necessarily do that. You know, their strength is when they pick up possession and they can make things happen. And you almost have to override the fact that uh, they're not going to do as much as some of the other players who perhaps get through the donkey work. So perhaps give him a little bit of slack in that regard. I think Frank has to play. Um, I'd like to see Harrison Reed get game time because I thought he was superb last season. Hey, I tell you what, I'm glad I'm not the manager. <laughs> well, that's the point because, again, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at central midfield and thinking – what's Scott Parker going to do because he's got decisions to make, but he also, I think has a decision to make with Anthony Robinson and say Joe Bryant, because again, I'd like to see them play together, but then you have Adam Lookman. So what do you do with that? So he's got a lot of decisions. And then we could talk about what do you do uh, on, on the right-hand side? Because um, again, um, you know, 
listen, I think that's a, a point, Jamie. I think if you look at the team right now, that to me seems to be a, a little bit of a weak link. What do they do on the right-hand side next to Mitro? Yeah, I think that's a very good point because uh, he hasn't really hit the ground running, has he, this season? And he wasn't at his best at the back end of last season. Uh, you're talking about Cavalero. Right. Um, and I think that's a very, very valid point from uh, from both of you. We'd like to see a little bit more from him. There's no doubting his ability. There's no doubting his talent. But you really want players to uh, to do it on and off the ball. And you want them to contribute. You want them to, uh, to be a threat going forward. And you want them to help out defensively. I think suddenly Anthony Robinson has offered us a uh, real bright spark getting up Absolutely. and down that left flank. Kenny Tete was doing remarkably well. I think it's disappointing that uh, that he's been injured. Aina has come into the side and certainly defensively he won't let you down. But I don't think he offers quite the uh, the threat going forward and the crosses into the I box. I totally agree. So when you get in situations like that, you certainly need that uh, that wide forward on the right-hand side who at the moment the shirt belongs to Cavalero, and he's got to contribute a little bit more for me. I totally agree. And, and I look at it and... and... Again, we're going to be talking about Crystal Palace, and I'm sure Roy Hodgson is going to be point, pointing to him or that right-hand side. So, listen, this is where they're weak. This is where they're weak right now. We're going to have to take advantage of that. And that's why I wanted to bring that up to you. All right, Jamie, let's now focus on the match. Let's talk about Crystal Palace. I just want to get your thoughts on them. It's funny because uh, I've listened to a, uh, a few podcasts about it that actually uh, featured some fans of um, – Crystal Palace, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, they are, you know, at least these shows I've listened to, they're not too positive about Roy Hodgson right now, which, which again, you know, they follow the team. We know Roy, and they're not really creating much. So I think that's where it comes from, and uh, I heard one fan say he wants to be entertained, and they have these players that I, I think can entertain you. So I think that there's a balance, and I think we have had this at Fulham, even last season, Jamie, when we talk about Crystal Palace, because I think they're in the same boat with their fans. What's more important to you, Jamie? Winning or being entertained? If you, well, if you I, can't have both, which is more important? Well, I guess it's got to be points on the board, Russ, but we've been spoiled, haven't we, over the years? And I think this is what's caused the difficulty. We had Slavisha Jukanovic, who, make no doubt about it, the football that we witnessed under him was so, so pleasing on the eye. And I think it's almost unfair on predecessors and managers who have gone on to uh, to be in charge of the club after him because it was almost a freak of nature. The football that was played was so, so pleasing on the eye um, and it was almost we're going to score more than or one more goal than you. And I guess in many ways that almost counted against him when you uh, you look at the situation. He was almost too stubborn, wasn't he? And the club decided to make a change. The owners who I think are absolutely wonderful. And I'm not saying that because they pay me money. I'm saying that because I genuinely believe it. It's one of those situations where, yeah, I fully agree, Russ. And I, I, I say it because I mean it. They've invested their money. And I think not only that, they've looked to try and do everything right. Yes, everybody is going to make mistakes. You listen to commentaries that, uh, that Jim and I do, and we make mistakes regularly. Everybody does. But one thing that can't be brought into question is their loyalty and their dedication to improving Fulham Football Club. You've only got to look at the Riverside. You've only got to look at what they've done on and off the pitch. And we are very, very fortunate to be in safe hands. So that kind of answers that. To get back to uh, to Crystal Palace, right? watching Roy, you have to think to yourself that it's pragmatic <clears throat> football, isn't it? It's not always right. pleasing on the eye, but... He does manage to find the results. He manages to get the 40 points. And it's a little bit like the scenario that uh, Charlton Athletic had in their time under Alan Kerbishley. Everyone thought to themselves, we get to the 40-point mark. And when we get to the 40-point mark, we almost implode and the uh, the performances drop off for whatever reason. And we don't seem to be able to, inf- uh, to improve on finishing wherever they were finishing, 12th, 15th in the table. I would take that. I really would. Because I think yeah. anything outside the bottom three... To stay in the Premier League for a second season would be a big, big oh, I season totally agree. for me. So I'm not, as much as I want to see good football and we'd love to see sexy football, I think we all agree on that. The most important thing and the be-all and end-all is, uh, is to pick up results. I think we're good enough to stay up. I confidently think that we will stay up because if we don't get it right fully in the first half of the season, I think there will be some further strengthening. But I think we will be good enough to stay up. Crystal Palace is a big game. 
the first goal is going to be crucial, similar to what we saw at Sheffield United. They don't create that many chances. I think we've got to they keep don't. Wilfred Zaha quiet. We've got to look at Eze if he does get involved um, and whether he plays his part. And we've got to make sure that we try and score the first goal because breaking down sides managed by Roy and Ray Lewington is always a difficult ask. Absolutely. And they're going to take advantage of any mistake we make. We saw that two seasons ago. So that's what concerns me. Emilio, question for Jamie. Yeah, again, obviously we've talked about obviously Crystal Palace. You know, it's, there's a you know what's what's your minimum rec- points tally the next two or three games, Jamie? You know, the next two games for me made it take the rest of the season. I know it's still early days, but you know we've got to start taking points against the teams around us, and we've got to start being clinical and turn draws into victories and and start and maybe keep clean sheets. You know, we, we're capable of beating Crystal Palace, but you know, and we should be beating West Brom. If we fail to beat those games, how worried will you be? Well, I guess the big positive. For me, and I'm always a glass half full man. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about Ivan always being positive. The good thing is the next two games are at home. I think it is going to cost us. It's going to cost other sides. But certainly you look at our support, very, very vocal, look to get behind the players. And I think it is going to count against us that uh, we haven't got people packing out and really getting mm-hmm. behind the players at the cottage. But certainly on home turf. Sorry, sorry there. How much do you think that's an impact to Fulham but not having a crowd behind us? I think it really is because uh, you look at the way the uh, the fans get behind. They're relatively close to the pitch, aren't they? I know that uh, it's divided opinion on the uh, on the clappers whether it's a good or a bad thing. But I don't think anybody can uh, can really complain at what happens. I think we've lost a little bit of the atmosphere with what's happening on the Riverside. But again, it's looking at the big picture. You know, that's going to be a wonderful stadium. So it's a little bit of short term pain for long term gain. I can understand why the club's done that. And I think that's a big, big thing. Not having fans is going to really hamper us, I think. And it's going to perhaps mm-hmm. hamper our home form. And we've seen two good away performances. But I still yeah. think, and Emilio, I think you make a very, very valid point there. We have got to start putting points on the board. Absolutely. Certainly against Crystal Palace and West Brom, yeah. we've got every chance. Okay, excellent. All right. I'm going to put you in the shoes, Jamie, of uh, Scott Parker, okay? <laughs> You're, you're Scott Parker. What would be your strategy against Crystal Palace? I know we've already talked about getting the first goal, but just how would you uh, approach this? Because you know how Roy's going to play. How would you approach playing against the Roy Hodgson team? It's always very difficult, isn't it? Because you know that if you go behind to a Roy Hodgson team, yes, OK, they do have the occasional hiding. And I think every club is going to be guilty of that in the Premier League. But the last thing you want to do is surrender the lead. And we saw it. A couple of seasons back, we played them on the opening day of the season, if memory serves. And there was a mistake, wasn't there, from Timothy Fosu Mensa. And, of yeah. course, that <laughs> proved to be costly for us. The last thing we can afford to do is uh, is go behind. I think we're good enough to uh, to take control of the football, you know, make sure that uh, we become a possession-based side on the afternoon. And if you like... There will be opportunities against Crystal Palace. Who knows, maybe it might be a set play, but we've got to look to try and score the first goal. I certainly wouldn't be looking to uh, to go crazy, if you like, and look to get players ahead of the ball and almost give them an opportunity to break us down, pick us off and score that goal. I think we've got to be very pragmatic. We've almost got to play Roy okay. at his own game. And I think there will that be That was going to be my question. Would you play basically right back themselves? to him? Okay. Emilio, sorry, Rush, if you could just repeat thought. that. Yep. I'm sorry, w- would you just basically play it back to him? Just basically, you know, and again, not give him anything and he's not going to give you anything and then take advantage of your opportunities when they come, basically. Yep, spot on for me. Okay. Emilio, what would be your strategy? Do you agree with Jamie? I think so. You look at the, what, what Brighton did. Brighton got should have won the game against them last weekend. I think they Absolutely. Had like 20 shots to one. Again, and then one goal result, you know, one, one shot on target, one goal for Palace. So for me, what's his name? I'm not going to tempt fate, but uh, they haven't had a great start. They won their opening two games. I think they've lost two of the last three. So they're not playing particularly well. Their away form has, has dipped in the last few few matches and back end of last season. They were notoriously going to Liverpool. Man, man sitting winning away from home. They beat Man United on the first game of the season. So when they're not to be sniffed at. You know, they, you know, Roy Blake said the game two years ago, we made a couple of mistakes, game over. That's all it was. And I think we, as long as we keep it very tight, don't give Zaha much, much space, frustrate him. You know, and then we, well, again, it's all about making opportunities. For me, it's, we, it's all about possessions. One thing, we've got to start creating clear cut opportunities. Mitrovic, like I said, had a poor game against Sheffield United. But maybe maybe this is a game for him to just to turn, you know, basically to stick two fingers up to his 
his critics and say he's, yeah. he's up for the big time because he needs to start showing, you know, showing value for money at this league now. I know he got us out of jail many times last season with late victories, late goals, but we need to start converting half chances into goals. So for me, it's keep Zaha off the ball, frustrate them. Um, Cahill, I think, is injured as well, so that's yes. for us as well. So, but it's it's keep ball, don't give the ball away cheaply, and be patient. And I think okay. that they played to, to Roy Hodgson's tactics. You know, that, oh, I hear you, and 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 I'm glad that you mentioned this, Emilio. I think uh, Cahill's a, a loss for them. Yeah. And uh, I I think that's significant. I know he's up in age, but I think that hurts them. And I think we could take advantage of that. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. All right, guys, let's end with starting 11. And then we'll end with predictions. Jamie, I'll go to you. I, I I know this is difficult, but I'm curious what your, your starting 11 would be, not what Scott's would be. What would you do? And I'm very curious what you would do on the right-hand side. Yeah, I think that would perhaps be the one area where I look to make a change and I might mm. possibly look at Lamina. I think what he did against Sheffield United, I think he almost warrants a start. The only thing I would say, I think you have to kind of change the midfield to uh, to accommodate the uh, the way he plays. Um, I think that Scott has shown in his infancy, you know, as a manager, that he does look at the opposing side and looks to at times balance up and match up, if you like, against what the yep. uh, opposing manager has decided to go with. I think he's done very, very well. You look at the second half of games, he's not been afraid to change things up, make nope. some changes. So maybe it might be uh, that Cav loses his place in the uh, in the starting lineup. I wouldn't necessarily be looking to make too many more changes. I think Ariola's made some, uh, some good saves in recent yep. matches. He did well up at Wolves and backed it up at Sheffield United. Certainly, Adarabio got off to a brilliant, brilliant start. It was a good partnership with Tim Ream. Yeah, I think we've got well. to mention Tim Ream because people are critical of him on occasion and I think almost critical rather harshly because I don't think he's had a necessarily poor or dreadful start to the season. Yes, OK, he's made the odd mistake, but I think you could attribute that to uh, every Premier League defender up and down the country. When a defender makes a mistake, it's often costly. If a midfielder loses the ball, you're in the middle third of the pitch, you might get away with it. So uh, I certainly think that's been highlighted. It hasn't helped that we've had to make changes at uh, right back, but certainly at left back, that's the steal of the century, isn't it, Anthony Robinson? We brought Absolutely. him in for a relatively modest fee. And uh, delighted to uh, to see another American on board at, uh, at Fulham and keep the tradition going. Yeah. And to your point, nothing against Ainai. I think he's done a nice job defensively, but he doesn't really offer much moving forward and uh, and doesn't have the crosses that Tete, I think, Fulham missed Tete in a very short period of time that we've seen him. And uh, I think that's a loss. And I think that also highlights the problem that we have on the right-hand side. Okay. Emilia, your thoughts on the starting level. What would you do? Um, certainly defensive. I don't think I'd change it to be honest. I think you know we looked fairly, you know, fairly comfortable in the last in the last two games. I think I'd keep it. I'd keep the same back back four and goalkeeper. Obviously, uh, that we had against Sheffield United. I agree. The only change I would make is Cavalera. I think I'm surpri surprised he's still playing week in week out. To be honest, I don't he's get it. A poor, a poor season in the championship. You know, broadly, I think we had a couple of highlights this time last year. We had those two good goals. Yep. We did very little else all season. So for me, I you know you can either put Kamara there. In place of Cavalero, or, or maybe Bobby Bobby Reed. I don't think Bobby. I don't think Bobby Reed is is a Premier League player. To be totally honest with you, he struggled at times in the Championship and has proven that he's maybe slightly out of his depth this league. But for me, I think Cavalero needs to be dropped. And either I'll probably say put Ak on there, put Kamara on there, you know, give him a chance and see how he. You know, again, that's the only change I would make. To be honest, I think the rest of the team, Frank and Tom, looking comfortable together. Yeah. Mitch well, obviously, will naturally start, and you know, I think Loftus Cheek again and Lookman will still play. So for me, it's put it put AK there in front instead of okay. Uh, Arrow. Okay, I like that. All right, all right. Let's end with predictions, Jamie. I'll go to you first. What's your prediction for the match on Saturday for Fulham against Crystal Palace? I think we're going to beat them by two goals to one, Russ. And I'm going to go, wow. I don't always do this. Often I sit on the fence, but I think that uh, Mitro will score a goal <laughs> because good players always show their quality. They they bounce mm. back. He was hurting after mm. Sheffield. You know, we've had the opportunity to uh, to sort of watch him, and we've watched him in uh, in warm when we've been sort of on the sidelines. And it was so hard. You look at that body, physical specimen. He works incredibly hard. Dead Barnet cut. I need to get mine cut, but so uh, <laughs> yeah, looks uh, looks nice. Now it's shorter again, and I fancy him to uh, to score at least once, but I think he might even score both goals. And, yeah, mm. I think we're going to. Okay. 
Oh, looks like Jamie froze there for a second. Emilio, yeah, what's I'm your prediction? Be, I'm going to be positive as well. Obviously, I think Mitrovic will have his number on his his Gary Cahill's replacement tomorrow as well. So again, we mentioned yep. that that's going to be in our favour. But you know, we've got this is a perfect opportunity to to to, to actually pick up three points. You know, if we I don't agree. Then we're starting to feel a little bit nervous. So yeah, I'm going to predict a, you know probably a two-one victory as well. I agree. I think we will concede. The fact is, as long as we get we get get our noses in front first and, and protect that lead, and you know, it will be nice as a ninety fourth minute winner. I know it won't be good for the heart. Just, <laughs> just yeah, right, give me a heart attack. Yeah, okay. I don't know. We just, you know, I don't care how we get the three by this division. You've got to find ten victories. Let's make the first one tomorrow. I don't Absolutely. care how we get them. It does it. Absolutely. And and guys, I already wrote down, so I'm going to share. I said two to one to myself, so I'm going to go with you guys two to one. And Jamie, you're right. It's all about scoring the first goal. If they score the first goal, they're, they're going to win this match. I agree with you on that. If they get behind, I think it's going to be an uphill struggle. Mm-hmm. Knowing Roy Hodgson and how he sets his team up, it's going to be very difficult. But I'm going to be positive. The glass half full of me is flowing right now. So I'm going with you guys, and I'm saying two to one. All right. Great show. Jamie, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining Emilio and I today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, no Jamie. problem at all, Russ. Anytime, anytime, Emilio, you know that. I'd just like to uh, quickly say on behalf of Gentleman Jim, he apologizes that he wasn't able to join us this evening, but he very much hopes that uh, there will be a future opportunity. And uh, oh, I know absolutely. he's feeling nice and positive as well. So oh, well, that's uh, come good. on, Fulham. Well, Come on, Fulham, yes. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect anything else from Gentleman Jim, and I cannot wait to get him back on Cottage Talk. That would be great, so so thank you for sharing that. And I also want to mention before we go, major thank you to Ivan Berry for joining us, and, and Carmelo as well, Carmelo Misford from Fulham, who's been very helpful getting us, uh, Jamie, and then hopefully, like you said, uh, Gentleman Jim on, and of course, Ivan. Thank you to uh, Carmelo for uh, for helping us with uh, get these wonderful guests on Cottage Talk. But let's wrap this up. For Jamie Reed and our guest before, Ivan Berry, and my co-host, Emilio Dano, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.